Hey, welcome to the Rhodes Church family. Welcome to you watching online. My name is Chad. So glad to have with you. Man, you guys look good today. Looking good. You guys look good online. Looking good out there. Hey, we've been on this series called Your Story, and that, that story you just watched is an example of uh, what's God, what God has done in many lives, including our own. So it's been a great series, Your Story, more than a post. And the idea is our life story, our walk with God is about much more than mere snapshots or moments, right? It's not about mere events or one-time things. There's, there's more to our life than meets the eye sometimes, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But we've been walking through that journey, and I hope you've been enjoying that. I hope God's been ministering to you. This is the last week on this series. Uh, we've been talking about this. So if you want to get your Bibles out, your sermon notes in your worship guide, or you can get on Version Bible app and get the sermon notes there. Let's open up our Bibles to Genesis 37. Woo! Genesis 37. We're going to talk about a, a great story today. This one already has a name, so we won't be having the difficulty of coming up with a new name for someone. We'll be talking about... Uh, a great individual, but I want to start off with some rhetorical questions that may see if it applies to you. There's some areas of your life that maybe you can sympathize with our character today, with the one that we're discussing. I want to ask you some of these questions. You don't have to shout them out, but just maybe in your own mind answer these as you're watching there. Have you ever had someone that did you wrong? Ever had anybody that did you dirty, as they say? Somebody did wrong by you? Have you ever felt rejected by someone that was close to you? Betrayed by someone that was close to you? Ever had somebody that you thought was for you end up being against you? Have you ever been falsely accused by someone of something you didn't do wrong but they accused you of it uh, that you did? Have you ever had someone leave you hanging and not do for you what they said they would do for you? You've probably got some pictures running through your brain right now. Have you ever felt like you had a promise from God for something? But what you were currently experiencing looks very little, if anything, like what you felt like God told you. Well, this morning we're going to talk about a character who had all of these things happen. Every single one of them. But in their life, they were determined that what was in them was greater than what was done to them. That's the theme. I want you to grasp it. What is in you is greater than what is done to you. So let's take a look in Genesis 37. We're going to talk about the, the story of Joseph. Now, the story of Joseph is, is a big story, and there's a lot of topics. So if you're like, you got your favorite parts of the Joseph story, we probably won't talk about that today. I'm going to talk about some part that hopefully doesn't get emphasized very often. I want to bring out some points that maybe you weren't, wouldn't be expecting. There's five stages to the story of Joseph that I like to talk about. All five of them start with a P. So we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about the first one's going to be the promise. Then it's going to talk about the pit. Then we're going to talk about Potiphar. Then we're going to talk about the, the, uh, the, the prison. Then we're going to talk about the palace. But we're going to do that in a very summary form this morning. So let's look in Genesis 37 verse 1. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers and the lad the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. He ratted them out. Snitch. Nobody likes a tattletale. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. Did you read that right? Did you hear that right? Now Israel, which is Jacob, his name was also Israel, 
loved Joseph more than all of his children. You parents know that's against the law. You cannot love any. If you got more than one child, you know you can't love any more more than the other ones. Because he was the son of his old age, also he made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So they couldn't even talk to him peacefully. They couldn't even carry on a casual conversation. Why did all of his brothers hate him so much? And why did his father, their father, love Joseph more than the other ones. Here, i got to give you a little bit of background. You can read the whole story for yourself. But Joseph's father, again, was named Jacob or Israel. And Jacob fell in love with a woman named Rachel. Now, Rachel was a smoking hobby. I mean, in Jewish tradition, it's supported by facts. That Rachel was one of the four most beautiful women in Jewish history. You've got Sarah, the wife of Abraham. You've got uh, Rachel. You've got uh, Rahab that we talked about, the prostitute. And you've got... Uh, Esther, Esther. So those four women. So Rachel's one of the top four. And so she's really hot. And so, so Jacob falls in love with her and says, I want to marry her. So in any good decency, he goes to her dad, Laban, and says, hey, I want to marry Rachel. And Laban said, okay, you can marry her, but you got to serve me for seven years. Then I will give you Rachel. Rachel had an older sister named Leah. So, so uh, Jacob serves Laban for seven years. And then the wedding finally comes. He gets to have Rachel. He's so pumped. He is sweat for this. He's slave for this because he loved this woman. So the wedding comes, and the Bible gets a little gray on this part. I'm not really sure what happened, but they have the wedding, and for some reason or another, it says that Jacob woke up the next morning, and he did not have Rachel, but he had Leah. I don't know what happened at the reception. You can read in it what you want, but when you don't even know who you got married to, until you, there are going to be some problems there. Let's just move on. So, so he wakes up and he's got Leah and he's like, whoa, whoa, time out, foul play. I wanted Rachel. I did not want Leah. And, and the dad says, hey, it's kind of our custom that we give away the oldest before the youngest. So Sorry. He, he, he tricked him there, did the old switcheroo. So he said, no, no, I, I want Rachel. He said, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you'll serve me another seven years, I'll give you Rachel, but you've got to at least wait out the honeymoon. All right, you've got to spend the honeymoon, the wedding week with Leah, and after you spend the wedding week, I'll give you Rachel, and then you've got to serve me for another seven years. So finally, after the honeymoon is over, he gets Rachel, who he really wanted, and he's still stuck with Leah. Imagine how Leah feels. We could do a story about how Leah feels, how she was rejected. So Jacob didn't want her. He was stuck with her. He wanted Rachel. He loved Rachel. Well, the problem was Rachel couldn't have any children, and Leah could. Leah had four sons. So she has four sons. Rachel gets depressed and disgusted. She goes to Jacob. She says, all right, you can have my maid, Bilhah, and give me children through her. So Jacob says, okay. So, I mean, that's a whole other story right there we need to talk about issues. And so he has two sons through her maid, and then Leah couldn't have any more children, so Leah gets mad, so she gives Jacob her maid, Zilpah, 
and says, have children with my maid. So he says, okay. So he has two, this was like a Jerry Springer show. I'm serious. Jerry, Jerry. So there, he has two sons by Leah's maid. So he's got four sons by Leah, two sons by Bilpah, Rachel's maid, two sons by Zilpah, Leah's maid. He's got all these sons. And then finally the Bible says, the Lord opened Rachel's womb. No, 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 that didn't happen yet. Sorry. I forgot. This is a crazy story. So then, so then Leah buys a night with Jacob for some fruit. You got to read about this story. The Bible is so cool. I mean, it's really interesting. So she buys a night and she has three more kids, two more boys and a girl with Jacob. So Leah has got all these kids, six sons and a daughter. And then you got the two by the maids, two by, two by Leah's maid, two by Rachel's maid. And then finally, the Bible says God opens up his womb and Rachel has a son called Joseph. Did you follow all of that? So all these sons by Leah and by maids and finally the woman he loved has a son. It's the only one he cared about. He didn't care about all these other women. He didn't care about their children. He just loved Joseph. So that's how we got to this part of the story. And so he makes him his own special coat, pretty colors. He walks around and he said, Joseph is the one that I choose to be special out of all the other sons. And so this is why the other brothers hated him. They didn't like, I understand sibling rivalries, but this went to a whole new level. So then verse 5, so Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So here's Joseph. I think Joseph either was a little bit naive or I'm not sure what was going on. Because he knows his brothers hate him. He's walking around with this cool coat that distinguishes him from all the other brothers. He knows that his dad loves him and doesn't love them. And he has this dream. And so he goes to his brothers in verse 6 says, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. So he goes up there, hey, I want to tell you this dream. And here he goes, you know, just put yourself in the story. You know when someone's telling a story about something happened, he goes, and there we were, verse 7, <laughs> binding sheaves in the field. They're wrapping up this wheat and they lay it down on the ground. We're binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheave arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheep stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. Isn't that incredible? Man, what an awesome dream. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us, you fool? I added that part. So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So then, verse 9, then he dreams still another dream. <laughs> he has another one. And he decides, the first one went over so well, I'll tell him another dream. It's just like, do-do-do, hey, I had another dream. You want to hear it? <laughs> he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brother, and he said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Whatever could this mean? This is an incredible dream. <laughs> so he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brother indeed come to bow down to me in the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his, bro his uh, father kept this matter in mind. So now, God gives him this dream. This is the first P. This is the promise. And the promise represents something that God puts in you. 
The dream was something that was put in Joseph. He didn't have it himself. God put it in him. I'm wondering if any of you have ever had a dream from God that was put on the inside of you. Have you ever had a promise from God that was inside of you? Do you feel like God put Maybe it wasn't a literal dream, and it could have been a literal dream, but something where God spoke to you and he put something in you. This is what happened. This is where we are in the story. Joseph's got something in him from God. But be ready, what we have in us has to endure what the enemy will try and do to us. Whatever's in you is going to have to endure what may happen to you. So that's what happens. So let's go the next part of this. So now his dad sends him to go find his brothers. So the st second stage, the second P is the pit. So he goes to find his brothers. They're in Dothan doing some shepherding of the sheep. Verse 23 of 37. So it came to pass Joseph come up to his brothers that they stripped Joseph. You know, they saw him coming. They're like, oh, here's that boy in his coat, the tunic of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water. So Joseph comes to his brothers. They say, hey, now's our chance. We're going to get even with this dreamer telling us all of his dreams. We're going to bow down. Yeah, how, how are we going to bow down to you? So they stripped off his coat of many colors. Why was that significant? I think it's very significant in the story. The word strip there, I gave it to you, just means to strip off, to unclothe, or to plunder. The coat represented the identity that the father had put on him. So the father had put an identity on him that said, you are unique and you are special. And so the brothers thought, if we take the coat off of him, the coat is what makes him unique and what's special. He won't be unique or special anymore if we take the coat off of him. But what the enemy doesn't know is that what makes you unique and special is not what's on you, but it's what's in you. And he can try and take what's on you, try and take your title, try and take your job, try and take this or that, but he cannot steal what God has put on the inside of you. That's what they thought they could do. They thought they could take him down and pull him down. But don't let the enemy rob you or strip you of what makes you unique and special. God's called you with a purpose. He's put a unique gifting, a unique dream, a unique promise on the inside of you. And no matter what people try and pull off of you, what's in you has to endure what is done to you. That's what's going to happen. You may find yourself in a pit someday. What enemy does to you, so God put something in him. The enemy said, I'm going to put him in a pit, do something to him. So what happens? So they sell him, sell him into slavery. Go over to chapter 39, fast forward. He gets sold into Egypt. Verse 1 of chapter 39, Joseph, he was taken to a guy named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian. Bought him from the Ishmaelites. Then look at verse 2 of that. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master of the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Can I just mention this? That no matter where you find yourself, no matter where the enemy may try and take you, if the Lord is with you, he can cause you to prosper and be successful wherever you go. The key is having the Lord with you. If God be for me, then who can be against me? If the Lord is with me, even if he's sold into slavery, what was done to him, Joseph said, I'm in this situation. I'm sold as a slave. I got two options. I believe any time the enemy does something to you, you've got two options in what you're going to do with it. You're either going to respond with what's done to you with the same in return, or you're going to respond with what's in you 
and come against what was done to you with what's done in you. See, Joseph was sitting here in slavery. He's like, what did I do wrong to get here? I did nothing wrong. But what he said is, you know what? While I'm here, I'm going to allow what is in me to come to the surface. And I'm not going to allow what was done to me to rob me what's in me. I'm going to serve with excellence wherever I am, even if it's not an ideal situation. Can I ask you this question? Can we serve when it's not an ideal scenario? Can we serve with honor and integrity even if we're sold into unrighteous slavery, figuratively speaking? Even if you're in a situation, well, I have to have the perfect boss or perfect leadership before I will serve. (laughs) As long as the expectation is you're going to be the perfect employee and the perfect server. Sometimes we judge people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Oh, that's a different sermon. Sorry, I'll stay focused over here. But you know what we're talking about. So he said, you know what? While I'm here, I might as well let what's in me come out of me. He was a gifted administrator. He had gifts and talents on the inside. He said, I might as well use what God's put in me no matter where I am. So what is in him came out of him even though what was done to him was not fair. Will you allow what's done to you to rob you of what's in you? Well, what they did wasn't fair. What they did wasn't right. I know it wasn't right. I know it wasn't fair. But what's in you is bigger than what was done to you. we got to focus on that. That's what God's calling out of you. There's something in you that's valuable. Don't let what's done to you rob you of the gift that God's put in you. So this is what he was saying. He brought his A game. We have a core value here that we bring our A game. Excellence is a reflection of God. This is what he did. So he got promoted. He got promoted into uh, the house of Potiphar. He's over all of his house, and then something happens. You know, it's just like when you take two steps forward, here comes the enemy. You know, he raised him to a position of authority, and, you know, sometimes the enemy will come to test your integrity in the midst of a promotion. You know when things are going well, sometimes that's when the enemy wants to come in and check and see if your integrity is going to be solid. So he's over all of Potiphar's house, and then all of a sudden Potiphar's wife starts getting a little weird. you got to read the whole story. I'm just going to summarize. But Potiphar's wife starts making advances towards Joseph every day. She starts, have, she starts she's a little thirsty. She, she's, uh, she's, she's got issues, right? She's, she's, she's Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph was handsome, said he was all that, you know, in form and appearance. And uh, Potiphar's wife noticed and so she starts badgering. Verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her. Every day she starts telling him, come on, come be with me. Come on, come be with me. I want you, Joseph. I want you. Joseph, you're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Joseph. Hey, Joseph. I don't know what she was saying. Let's just stay focused on the Bible. And day by day, day by day, day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her. His integrity, his integrity, I'm not going to compromise my values for you. Even though I'm not in a good situation, I'm in a slavery situation, and maybe sleeping with you would bring me favor with the boss, might get me promotion even more, I'm going to hold fast to my integrity and say no to compromise. I'm going to choose the right thing over the convenient thing. So he said no to her. So he goes into the house, and none of the men are in the house, verse 11. Then she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand that hand and fled outside. She called the men. She starts making false accusations, saying, Joseph, 
tried to rape her. And so she says, tells her husband this and says, hey, you know what? This is, here's his garment right here. How is it that his garment was stripped off by his brothers and now his garment is stripped off again? And I'm telling you that the enemy is constantly going to try and pull off of you what God puts on you. Whenever favor comes into your life, God brings favor and promotion, the enemy is going to try and pull it off of you. But remember, I'm not defined by what people put on me. I'm defined by what God puts in me. So you keep going. You just keep trucking. The enemy can pull that off. So he said, ah, here's his garment. Here's the proof of his identity. And Joseph had to say, no, no, my identity is not based on what you're holding in your hand. My identity is based on the promise that God put on the inside of me. So this is how he finds himself. So now Potiphar's, Potiphar puts him in prison. So here's the next stage. He gets thrown in jail, accused of this. So go on in, down to verse 20. Of chapter 39 has puts him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. He was there in the prison. I mean, I mean knows at this time Joseph's got to be getting a little bit flustered. I'm doing everything the right way, and I keep getting punched in, punched in the mouth. How many of you have ever tried to serve God, tried to do the right thing, and it seems like as soon as you try to do the right thing, your life ends up having trouble? Like I'm trying to do the right thing and things keep going wrong. It's not because God is doing things wrong to you. It's because the enemy is trying to steal what God put in you. Keep moving forward. So he put, got thrown in prison. So while he's in prison, I might be thinking, you know what? That's it. Forget it. I'm just going to sit here and sulk and mope and have a pity party because I've done nothing wrong. Everybody's against me. It's all their fault. I've done nothing wrong. So woe is me. God, it's not fair. It's not fair. Anybody ever felt like that? This is not right, God. This is not right what's being done to me. In that moment, you can stay there and you can waller about what's been done to you or you can stir up what is in you. In this story, Joseph finds himself in prison unjustly, and he still begins to stir up what is in him. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. As long as the Lord is with you, you are in good shape. He showed him mercy and he gave him favor in his sight. And the keeper of the prison, the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand. All the prisoners are in the prison. Whatever they did, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Did it look like it was prospering in the prison? No, what he was making prosper was what was in him will endure whatever is done to him. If we will stay with God, even if it doesn't look like what he told you is coming to pass, this doesn't look like his brothers are bowing down to him, does it? It doesn't look like the sun and the moon and the stars are bowing down. He's in the dungeon. How does this look like the promise of God? But there's something in him that's bigger than what's done to him. So he decides, you know what? I'm just going to serve with excellence even right here. So he served with excellence, the keeper of the prison. When God sees you serving in a place that most people wouldn't serve, be ready for promotion. When God sees you faithful in an area that you've been wronged in, get ready for a promotion. People want promotion, but they don't want to serve where they're unjustified or when they've been un uncelebrated or not done. We've got to serve sometimes when we've got to serve with excellence. We've got to use what is in us when not everybody is celebrating what is in us. 
That's, that's another part. But I, but I just want to focus on that and give you encouragement that sometimes it's not going to look like what God told you even though God is working. There's a song that says, God is working when I don't even see him. He's working. He's making that. So now we've got to see this. So, so here's Joseph. And now, so he says, I'm going to serve you next. He's got two guys, a baker and a butler, Pharaoh. They've worked for Pharaoh. They had dreams. So Joseph interprets their dreams. He says to the baker, he says, ah, yeah, your dream, not so good. You're going to die in three days. The butler, hey, your dream's pretty good. In three days, you're going to get restored back to your position with Pharaoh as cupbearer. And when you do, holler at your boy. Don't forget me, okay? I want you to tell Pharaoh that I don't deserve to be here. So when you, I'm going to do this for you. I'll tell you what it means. But when you, when you get there, don't forget about old Joe, okay? Don't forget about me. So what happens? The butler is restored to his position, and he forgets about Joseph. Not for two days, not for two weeks, for two years. 730 days sitting in that cell, stewing about the person who forgot about you. You don't think you have an opportunity for some offense, opportunity for a little bitterness to sink in? Not only are you stewing about that, you're stewing about Potter's, Potiphar's wife who've got you in this place unjustly, and you're stewing about your brothers who throw you in the pit and sold you as a slave, and now you've got all this time for that to churn up on the inside of you. But then Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream, and the butler finally remembers that, hey, there's this guy in the jail that can interpret dreams. So two years later, they call for Joseph, they bring him up, and, and Joseph in chapter 41 interprets the dream, and everything's awesome. Pharaoh's like celebrating seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. Joseph, you're going to be in charge. Look at verse, uh, look at verse uh, chapter 41, look at verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Pay attention to this. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Slave, prisoner, here's the last stage, palace. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, giving him authority. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He clothed him in fine garments. Here we got garments again. So he's getting some garments stripped off of him. The enemy trying stripped off of him. If the enemy can't, <laughs> if the enemy can't get you by trying to take off of you what God put on you, he will try and get you by getting you not be ready for what God has put on you. Here's what I'm talking about. Now he gets clothed with a garment of authority. Now he gets put in this position. And the, sick, the issue is, is Joseph going to allow his life to be defined by what the world put on him or will we hold fast to what God has put in him? In other words, will he let it go to his head? Will he forget where he came from? Will he forget that the Lord is with me and the Lord is the one who brought me to this place? Or will he be, now I've got this robe from Pharaoh and my signet ring, now I'm in charge. Is he ready for what God wants to use him for? How will we know if we're ready? That's what I was thinking about. How do we know if we're ready for the palace? How do we know if we're ready for the promise to be fulfilled? Here's, here's what I saw 
that maybe I didn't see before. Here's the part of the story that may be a little unique. Look what happens down in verse 50. And to Joseph, maybe an obscure verse, and to Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, that's an awesome name. You're welcome, mothers, if you're looking for a name for your boy. <laughs> or his daughter, I'm sorry. Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. How do we know he was ready? 30 years later, I'm sorry, he's 30 years old, 13 years later from when his brothers sold him. Brothers rejected him and betrayed him and sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of wrongdoing, had him thrown into prison. The butler forgets about him for two whole years and leaves him hanging. Now he's in a place of authority. Now he's second in charge of everything. How do we know he's ready? I know what I would want to do. I know I'd have to deal with these thoughts. Maybe you're better than me. I'd have to deal with these thoughts. That once I got second in charge, I'd be, all right, let's line them up. Bring my brothers right here. Bring Potiphar and his wife right there. And bring the butler. Put them all in front of me. I'm going to talk to them. All right, boys, you remember that pitch you threw me in? You remember throwing me in there laughing at me, taking my coat? You remember? Well, who's your daddy now? Talk to me. How you like my robe now? <laughs> you want some of this? Take this. Yeah, I'd be wanting to talk to them. And you, Potiphar, yeah, I got some words for you. <laughs> I gave my life for you. I gave you my integrity. I did everything for you. I didn't steal from you. I didn't take any of your money. And you, your wife. Oh, boy, I don't know where to start with you, woman. I'll come back to you. And Mr. Butler, how you like your position? You remember me? You remember Joseph in the prison? Remember the dream? <laughs> yeah, how you like me now? I'd want to line them all up and say, you know what? Everything that you guys did to me, it's payback time. You're like, Chad, you got issues. <laughs> yeah, pray for me. Pray for me. But how do we know? How do we know we're over it? How do we know we're ready to move forward? Look what happened when he had two sons. He named the first one Manasseh. This is so good. The first one is named Manasseh means one who forgets, making forgetful. He gave birth to a son. He named it Manasseh. He said, make me forgetful. Because he says, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. That word toil means long, strenuous, fatiguing labor, struggle, or battle. The Lord has made me forget the strenuous, fatiguing labor, struggle, and battle that I've been through. He's made me forget that. And he's made me forget all my father's house. What does that mean? He made me forget all of my brothers, all the people that did me dirty, all the people that did me wrong. He made me forget all of them. He made me forget them all. Now, he didn't forget what was done to him. This is a very important part. He didn't forget what was done to him. He chose to forget the pain and anguish, the struggle, the labor of the battle that he walked through to get where he is. We don't have to forget what was done to us, but we have to look at something bigger. Look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It says this, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He focused more on the good that came out of it than the wrong that caused it. Manasseh says, I'm willing to forget what happened to me because there's something in me that's bigger that I need to concentrate on. I'm not forgiving 
forgetting what happened, I'm forgetting the pain, and I'm looking to the good. It's like a mother. Can a mother's, can I, get, can I connect with you for a minute? It's the long struggle of childbearing, of having that child in you for nine months, walking that out, and it gets uncomfortable. It gets heavy. It gets, you know how it gets. And then you have to go and you actually have to give birth. And all the difficulty sometimes with labor, and, and some's different than others, but the pain that's involved, and all of that, all of that, what happens once you see the baby and they lay it in your lap, what you went through, you forget because of the joy of what you're holding. You see what you've given birth to, and you're like, oh, bless your little heart. <laughs> You hurt your mama, but I tell you what, I love you. My mom used to call me every year on my birthday and say, well, I feel a lot better now than I did 46 years ago. <laughs> but see, here's what happens. You can forget because of the joy that's come after that. You know how, you, how we can, if we ever had a tr problem with overpopulation, you know what the solution would be? To make men bear children. I guarantee you population would go down quickly because men would not overlook that pain. They would not forget it. They'd be like, hey, I love you, kid, but I'm not going through that again. I'm not going to do that. But there's that nurturing instinct about you women that is so awesome that you can go through something and forget about it because of something else that you see. That's the first one, make me forgetful. But look at his second one. Well, let me, let me say this first. He said what the enemy meant, that Genesis 50, what the enemy meant for evil, that word meant is so important. That word meant, I've got four daughters and they know how to braid hair. I've never been able to master that. I don't know why. But that word meant means to plot, think, or contrive, to weave, or to braid. So put that in your sentence and read it this way. What the enemy meant to plot and scheme and think and weave evil into your life, God plots and thinks and contrives ways to weave good into your life. So no matter even if I make a mistake and make a bad choice and I bring less than God's best into my life, God's thinking of a way to breathe, to weave, to weave and braid good right back into my life. No matter what situation that you've walked through, how bad it may be, my God is always looking to put a good braid in there. He's always looking to weave goodness in there. It doesn't matter what the enemy has brought into your life, maybe what we brought under ourselves. If I will stay with God, God will keep weaving goodness into my life. He'll keep weaving and making redemption out of things that were tragedy. He said, in this way of my life, God has brought good out of what was horrific. Look in verse 52. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Ephraim. This word means double fruit, twice fruitful. He's caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. The word affliction means depression, misery, try to force submission what is in him produced fruit out of him, even though it was affliction to him. Even though my state of misery or depression, my worst place, God can cause us to have an Ephraim. God can cause us to produce fruit. And this is what he's speaking to Joseph here. He's saying, listen, even though in the land of my affliction, the land of my misery, the land of my sadness, the land of my oppression, the land of my depression... If I will allow Manasseh, which is be forgetful, if I will allow God to give me a forgetful moment, I can have Ephraim. But here's the problem. 
Everybody wants the Ephraim, the blessing, but they don't want to have Manasseh and forget. You can't have an Ephraim if you don't have a Manasseh. Manasseh has to come first. We have to be willing to forget the pain. We have to be willing to forget what was done to us, be willing to forget the offense. If I'm going to be fruitful in my life going forward, I have to be willing to forget some things that were done in the past. In our life, we're getting robbed of our future fruitfulness because we're not willing to give birth to Manasseh. The Manasseh anointing says, I'm willing to forget what they did to me because what is in me is greater than what was done to me and I want to be fruitful in my life. This is what God's speaking to you, but we got to be willing to forget. You say, I can't forget. I can't forget it. I can't let it go. If we choose not to let it go, we can't have Ephraim. We can't be fruitful going forward. We'll be stuck in the pain of our past. And we'll justify it. We'll say, well, you don't know what they did. You don't know how they betrayed me. Well, look what Joseph did. They did him wrong. Did him dirty. Had that moment in front of his brothers. Here's how you know you're ready. When you're in front of people that have done you wrong. And you have the opportunity to get even. And you choose to love instead. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. When you have an opportunity to cuss them out or chew them out, to give them a piece of your mind. Okay, yeah, I remember what you said. I remember what you did. Woo, I've been waiting a long time for this. And in that moment, I forgive you. You just gave birth to Ephraim because you're willing to give birth to Manasseh first. If you're willing to forget, you'll be fruitful. But you're telling I can't forget. I'm not saying forget it happened. I'm saying forget the pain because this is what happens. Check this out. It's the last thing I'll mention. Genesis 48, look how powerful this Ephraim and Manasseh was. I'll just tell it to you. I studied this, so I, I think I've got it in my mind. So Joseph has two, two kids, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh's the older, Ephraim's the younger. Jacob, Joseph's dad, is getting ready to release a blessing on him. He's getting ready to die, and he's going to release a blessing. But Jacob can't see very good. So Joseph brings his sons up to his dad, and he purposefully sets Manasseh on Jacob's, Israel's right hand, and sets Ephraim on his left hand, so that when he goes to pray for him, because he can't see, when he goes to pray for him, the right hand blessing, which is double, will go on the oldest son, which is the way it's supposed to be. So Joseph's got him set up, you know, where it can't fail. And right before Israel gets ready to pray for him, he goes to bless him and he, he switches hands. He puts his right hand on Ephraim and the left hand on Manasseh. And Joseph stops him. He pulls his hands off and says, no, Dad, put your right hand. This one, this one, I know you can't see very good. This one is Manasseh. And his dad, Israel, says, I know what I'm doing. Manasseh's going to be good. But Ephraim is going to be greater. you got to hear what he was saying. God's saying to you, what was done to you is legit. It was real. But what I want to do for you in your future, the Ephraim is greater. If you will let go of this, I will give you greater. 
I will put something better in your life. If you'll let go of your own past, let go of your own hurts, if you will let go of that, what I want to do for you, Ephraim, is greater. It's more powerful for you. This is what God is asking us to do. I'm not talking about just one event in your life. Every day, we got to choose Ephraim over Manasseh. You got to let your spouse go. What they said? <laughs> yeah. Fruitfulness of tomorrow is greater than being right over this issue today. Can you forget? You say, Chad, I can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. It hurts. It's hard. It's humiliating. It's painful. Yes, all of that, all of that. But you know what makes you forget? What makes you forget is the double of what God wants to do in your life. It doesn't take away what was happening. It's just like God says, uh, you know what? Future is greater than your past. <laughs> what I have in store for you, what is in you, is greater than what happened to you. If you will Manasseh it, if you will forget it, if you'll just let it go, what I want to do for you, Ephraim, in your life, it's going to be worth it. It's like I just want to come and grab you by the shoulders and say, come on, let it go. Don't forget it because it isn't something significant. Forget it because there's something greater God wants to do in your life. Your story's not over. Your Ephraim is greater than your Manasseh. But will you forget? Will you let it go? Will you say, okay, God, when I have them lined up in front of me and I have the right, I'm justified. I did nothing wrong. They did wrong. When you stand before God, as Jesus is our model, hanging on the cross, the most righteous man ever to walk the earth, looks at the people who hung him there and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. But, I, but mine did. They knew it. We can choose to embrace our Manasseh. So I, can't, I, can't, I can't go on. I can't get past it. I'm never going to get past it. But if I do that, I will not give birth to Ephraim. I will not see the fruitfulness of my future. My Manasseh, sometimes they come out hard. I was 10 pounds, 10 ounces. I didn't just flow into this world. Sometimes your Manassehs that you give birth to are going to be a little bit painful. Sometimes forgetting is going to cause some pain. Sometimes it's going to be hard to say, I forgive you. Sometimes that Manasseh doesn't come out easy. But if you will let it out of your mouth, God can give you, he can give you an Ephraim. And he says, I promise you that what I want to give you is bigger than what's happened to you.